This week, Dewan Haynes, consultant at Data Analytics and Agon and Transamerica, to talk about the need for cybersecurity training programs and the role cybersecurity professionals play. Then we welcome Stephanie Aceves, Senior Director of Threat Response and SME Lead at Tandium, to discuss Tandium for Incident Responders. We close out the show with the Enterprise Security News. ThreatStack announces support for Amazon EKS and AWS Fargate, Decryption Tools, Security Summit 21, Aqua Security's new platform, Fastly's Compute at Edge, and more. Stay tuned for all that and even more on this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names. It's Enterprise Security Weekly. Wide-scale adoption of cloud applications, an increase in remote workers, and expansion of branch offices has rendered the centralized, on-premises security model impractical. Enter Cisco Umbrella. Umbrella now includes secure web gateway, firewall, and cloud access security broker functionality, plus integration with Cisco SD-WAN, all delivered from a single cloud security service. It helps businesses of all sizes secure their network and extend protection to roaming users and branch offices. Security doesn't have to be complicated. Get simple, smart, and powerful security with Cisco Umbrella. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Cisco Umbrella to learn more. Stopping advanced threats requires knowing exactly what you're up against. ExtraHop Reveal X is the only solution that shows you not just where intruders are going, but where they've been. 90-day look-back and complete network visibility across the data center, cloud, and device edge help security teams respond 84% faster with ExtraHop RevealX network detection and response. Explore the interactive demo at securityweekly.com forward slash ExtraHop. Welcome to episode number 236 of Enterprise Security Weekly for July 28th, 2021. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian, joined remotely by Mr. Adrian Sanabria. Adrian, welcome. Adrian, you're Thanks on mute. Great. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing a bunch of typing, went on mute. Yeah, no, excited today. We got uh, two full interviews, you yes. know, and some uh, and some good news to talk about it. So yeah. We gotta work we gotta work for it today. Here to help us with that, Mr. Tyler Shields is back. Tyler, welcome. Hey, thanks, Paul. Good to see you again, bro. Good to have you here. A couple of quick announcements. Security Weekly Unlocked will be held in person this December 5th through the 8th at the Hilton Lake Buena Vista. We are excited to announce our first round of speakers. Dave Kennedy, Alyssa Miller, O'Shea Bowens, Marina Chiavada, Patrick Coble, Chris Eng, Eric Escobar, Kevin Johnson, and Justin Kohler. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash unlocked register and check out the Rockstar lineup. Dewan Haynes has a career that spans over 35 plus years in information technology. He is a consultant of data analytics and the Kentucky InfraGuard president. He joins us today to discuss extending corporate cyber training programs to extend past the corporate boundary. Dewan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me here. Great to talk to you guys today. Yes, nice to have you. Um, so, Dewan, how did you get your start in, in information security? Man, I started programming at the age of 10, um, and I'm going to show my age and talk Commodore and Atari and, <laughs> and all of those crazy things. Uh, so, yeah, I started started there, went on uh, to pursue an engineering degree and computer science degree at the University of Louisville. 
um, did a little fo- worked with football for a couple years, and then uh, start working at UPS, supporting their next day air sort for the import and export operations, and then wound up at Aegon Transamerica, where I've been for the past 24 plus years. So I've done just about every job you can think of in IT. Sweet. That's awesome. And you're here today to talk about cybersecurity training. So we talk about training users, training cybersecurity professionals. What, which, what angle do you want to take today? I, I really want to talk about the angle of, you know, ordinary citizens. I feel like our overall citizenry um, from a cybersecurity perspective is very low. I mean, organizations, we go out of our way to make sure that they know, hey, we, we block things like not allowing you to get to your Google, you know, your Gmail or your Yahoo accounts, you know, from your corporate networks. Um, but once you're kind of outside the confines of the organization, we just kind of leave you out there in some ways to flounder. The way the reason I say that is because in my work with InfraGuard, we see a lot of compromisations that happen, you know, from people. And I apologize for anybody who might be in the oil and gas industry, but from from people getting gas and paying with their credit card at the pump, there used to be a huge swath of things, you know, your credit card information being stolen. How many times do you get a, a you know, a message in the mail saying your debit card's been compromised and we just send you a new card. If you're getting that almost every other month or once a quarter, you kind of get desensitized to it without asking yourselves, you know, is it something I did or is it something that my bank is not doing a very good job at and should I switch banks? So that's, that's kind of, you know, we do a lot of corporate training, but we're not doing it and extending it. And I'll give you an example. And the reason I got on this topic is because when I think of BCP training, just about every corporation has BCP training. They want you to build you a resilience program at home. We don't really talk about that when we're talking about cyber training. Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting. When we talk about even just email, um, part of the DNC hack, right? The Russian hackers went after someone's personal Gmail account. I don't remember that person's name. Someone else might. But... I, and then you start thinking about, well, what if attackers were to go after other people's, uh, you know, various organizations, start going after their personal Gmail, like, what could be hiding in there? What could you do with that? Your emails, the keys for everything. And I just, it also, I think an interesting aspect to that as well is that if you're a pen tester and you're doing an email phishing campaign, whether you're internal to the organization or external, you're not targeting people's personal accounts because that's typically out of scope and so Duan, i think you bring up a really interesting kind of gap in uh both our security architecture but also our cybersecurity training as well i completely agree um i and i you know i i still go back to we do we spend an awful lot of money for all the corporate training and don't really increase the intelligence of folks outside of the organization you know, I, I saw the number the other day that said in 2022, we'll have 1.8 million unfilled IT jobs Well, or cyber jobs. But wouldn't it be great if we brought everyone's collective IT cybersecurity knowledge up and maybe you'll have a little more interest in people wanting to go into those fields? I tell everybody, I think cybersecurity, you know, it's a family. It, it's us against the adversaries. And the more people we can have in this fight, the better off we're going to be. It's interesting too. I think our being cybersecurity professionals, we spoil our own friends and family because they come to us and we help protect them. But we can't help protect everyone once they go home. Uh, 
And so they, they need that more generalized knowledge and training and not just, oh, I'm going to pick up the phone and call up Paul, Adrian, Tyler, or Dewan, right? Absolutely. And, and, and I could tell you um, how dedicated I am to this effort. And I know you went over some of the things that I'm doing outside of my corporate job, which is being president of InfraGuard covering the state of Kentucky. Um, also working with um, Talk Louisville, which is you know, Technology Association of Louisville, Kentucky, which is part of TECNA. Um, we host multiple events for people to attend. And what I see is no matter what type of talk we have, whether it's 5G, whether it's about endpoint security, we get tons of people who attend those because they really are trying to gain a leg up and have more understanding about what threats are being faced because some of these organizations, small size companies, do not have the ability to have a staff of 12 cybersecurity professionals in a SOC mm. on site, right? Some of these people who are supporting these organizations, you know, they're the database administrator as well as an, <laughs> the network administrator, um, as well as side desktop support. So mm. that's really what we're trying to targeting. And, and I'll give you one more example. I'm, I'm currently working with um, Sean McBride, who's at Idaho State University, and he's really focused on really the OT side, you know, SCADA and operational technology. And it's something as somebody who says, hey, I'm in IT, I never really think about OT. And so I don't really have tons to add to that effort. Um, but what I can do is again say, it takes a community and I'm participating and providing whatever resources I can, whether it's from the FBI, whether it's from the private sector here um, to be able to help that. And they're really looking at training and what kind of programs need to be in place and what type of curriculums we need to have for citizenry um, so that people will try to be IT as well as OT at the same time. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting too, when you look at the users in your organization, you know, to your point, Duan, we kind of struggle to have enough resources to protect them within the air quotes confines of our organization, right? You've got maybe Office 365 and that's what we're focused on protecting. However, I think there's a lot of avenues, and certainly we've all heard a lot of stories uh, and read a lot of cases where attackers go after a personal Gmail or even a cell phone to be able to compromise some other piece of infrastructure. Darknet Diaries had an amazing story about someone who was under attack, and the attack was actually sending them pizzas at like really late hours of the night in an effort to extort the like Instagram account that they wanted. And they were doing SIM swapping attacks against that person. And even though they had a PIN number installed, so I mean, there could be some really advanced attacks that aren't necessarily going directly after your organization's infrastructure, but are attacking your users. And what I like and what I'm hearing is we need to protect our users, not just the corporate assets, because the, the human is a corporate asset in that sense. And, and I love the way you use the word human because that is always our number one risk. That's our number one attack surface is, is the human and how do we protect them and secure them. And I have, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, my wife came home the other day and my wife is in IT as well. And she said, hey, I took one of your pictures and I scanned it into Facebook. And I can't remember what the app was that it does something crazy, you know, something they do and they post and everybody laughs at it. Mm. And I was like, well, you just scanned my face. So I hope I never work at a company that uses facial recognition because right. <laughs> now they have everything they need to break in as me. Yep. So, Adrian, sorry, did you have questions, comments? No, no. I, yeah, I was, I was just going to make a comment. You know that I think one of the other factors here is, is traditionally, 
um, you know, I, f- I feel like at least part of the industry has kind of fostered this, uh, and some practitioners have fostered this idea that you know, security is somehow magic and only we can do it. And, you know, you shouldn't even try, you shouldn't even bother, just just leave it to us, you know, and kind of creates this attitude of, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, anything labeled security, I'm, I'm just going to ignore somebody else's doing that for me, right? So, you know, I've, I've just noticed that attitude in, in people where um, they just kind of assume somebody in the background is taking care of it for them, mm. you know, and, and if they think that way at work, they're going to think that way at home, you Absolutely. know, and it's, it's just not, <laughs> I'm not saying we need a, a PR campaign where we're like, <laughs> you know, you're all screwed. You're on your own. <laughs> yeah. But I think that for me, like but, the top three things for home personal use, right, are two-factor authentication, having a LastPass or some kind of one password or password uh, vault. Um, and then there was a third thing that is, oh, the PIN number on your protecting your cell phone, which, because I think that's really super important today and in a huge attack vector. We actually interviewed a couple of weeks ago someone that helps protect people's uh, SIM cards. Uh, I mean, you have to route your cell service through them, but they do a great job in protecting that. But having a PIN number um, you know, on your uh, cellular service, while not foolproof, is a step in the right direction. Yeah. And and, and I completely agree. And, and man, it'd be great to get to the point, you know, our, our, where we as home users are, are following those guidelines because you know, I, I struggle with how many people are using the same password against, you know, mm-hmm. across multiple services. I use yep. the same password for Facebook that I use for Twitter or I use for Instagram. And I think Facebook and Instagram are the same now. So I yeah. guess that's a bad example. <laughs> but, yeah, but no, know, yeah, social media. So, you know, my strategy, because it intertwines with the professional uh, side of, you know, in my career is each social network has its own, of course, unique password, and also has second two-factor turned on, which is, it's, and I'll tell you what, it's a huge pain in the ass, but I think it's a very appropriate uh, step to take, uh, especially with those higher profile accounts. And I think the, the personal users are, and we are too, like inundated with accounts and passwords. So you got to kind of pick which ones are super important, right? Because then every other site wants you to create some kind of account. That's where I think LastPass and similar products come into play. Completely agree, Paul. Um, I, I use LastPass, and that, that's why I said if if I could get you know the majority of Americans just to crap, if I could get my household, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually, I actually got one password family, and I. I I'm the only one who's ever used it. I'm paying for the family thing, you know, <laughs> and I've gotten them to install it, but then they, you know, they, yeah. they forget their main password, right. you know, and then they don't use it. And, you know, I set it up where they can just use their fingerprint to get into it on their mm-hmm. phone and, and they still don't use it. And they still come to me. What's my password for this? <laughs> well, don't you yeah. have the app, you know, you use the quit using me. Yeah. I do. I do think that the the move to biometrics is going to be the key thing that fixes the problem, though, because that that eases the pain of the multi factor. Yeah. Yeah. Too much friction. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. And that, and and the question I have is, you know, what's the initial price point going to be when that's released? Is it going to be prohibitive for normal users to say, "Hey, I'm going to go ahead and use it"? I know there are some laptops already coming with that, um, but we we definitely got to do a a better job at offering that to everyone to really 
help us protect ourselves. Yeah, I want to also uh, recognize a couple of vendors that I think are doing a really good job. Um, they have done sponsored programs with us in the past, and I've, I've met the founders of both of these companies. And they both have a model where if you're protecting a user in your organization, in your corporate entity, they can also use the same technology to protect their personal accounts. And one is material security. Um, and that is protection for your inbox, right? So they, they kind of uh, basically encrypt what's in your inbox. And when you go retrieve it, um, they force you to do an authentication so that if you've got a 1099 form filled out in your inbox, an attacker can't just go pull that out. Uh, it's protected. And that's, that's really cool. And then uh, Pixum is another one, which I believe also does the same thing, where it's an anti-phishing uh, solution. And it installs as a browser plugin, and they say install it on your personal devices as well as your work devices, and that's like included in the license. So both those mm -hmm. companies are embracing your model, Juan, of you know extending the personal security to the security of of the corporation or business. And that that Pixum was that P I X O M uh, P I X M P I X M. Thank you. It, so it's you a know, Chrome extension. Yeah, Chris Cleveland is the founder of Pixum uh, and has done a great job with the model. And Ryan Noon is uh, the co-founder and CEO of Material.Security. And just to add a bit to that, I, I campaigned pretty hard uh, when I was covering endpoint security as, as an industry analyst uh, for endpoint security companies, anti-malware companies, to include home licenses along with their enterprise licenses. Because even back then, it was clear that look, uh, you know, you know, your employees are doing work at home on yep. personal devices, and attackers know that, and they're going to target them there. So, you know, if your product is not licensed, um, you know, where a license for an individual is like at least five devices, you know, if if we're going to cover phones and laptops and things like that, you know, then you're only covering part of the attack surface. I agree. I, I wish I could get something like a CrowdStrike or something similar on my home devices, right? Am I going to go out of my way and try and buy that from my home? No, but if I've got a way yeah. to leverage what my business has already, you know, purchased so, and licensed, I would. A lot of them did it. I think mm -hmm. Webroot was the first to do it, and I know Silence uh, did it, and I think a bunch of others... Uh, yeah, the know, problem is uh, what happens when you change jobs, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get to change. Tricky part. <laughs> Yep, you, you get to uninstall it and move. Well, as far as I know, I don't know if they let you keep it. I doubt it. Yeah, probably not. No, great points. And I, and I ask you specifically for those names because, you know, I do run into a number of companies who are asking, hey, Duan, what's a what's the solution for this? What's the solution for that? So um, I tell most vendors I try to keep a folder in my Outlook um, that kind of lists all of the vendors I have that I have, you know, relationships with. So that if I have a customer who needs a question or needs a solution, I can reference them back. So again, that just goes back to, you know, this is a community and we're all fighting this together. So it'd be nice if we had a database of all the product vendors and all of their products and what category they were in. That'd be cool. <laughs> I'm going to bet you have one, don't you? <laughs> I, think, I think we, I think we do. We've got, a, it's actually in pretty good shape right now. I say that yeah. tongue in cheek, but that's what is some of the things Adrian and I have been working on here at the oh, Cyber cool. Risk Alliance. So, yeah. yeah, we should talk after the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, um, if we could touch a little bit on on what 
you know, as security professionals, what we should be doing. I mean, clearly you're doing a lot, uh, Dewan. And I, I, one of my favorite things is to talk to the local, we actually have a cybersecurity high school class and club here locally. And, and they, uh, they have me come in and, and talk to them either virtually or physically every couple of months. And, and the questions they have for me, like they collect the questions beforehand and they're hilarious. They, they, they're all over cryptocurrency. The kids mm-hmm. want to know everything about cryptocurrency. And then like uh, copyright takedowns on YouTube, you know, th- those kinds of uh, battles and things with, uh, you know, you, you can't even have a snippet of a song or something or, mm-hmm. you know, it gets taken mm-hmm. down. Uh, really, really interested in, in uh, copyright infringement and stuff like that. So I, I, I love the questions I get. And it's uh, for me, it's, it's a great opportunity to learn what that generation is is into and, and interested in. But yeah, cu- curious if you have uh, for our listeners any suggestions on, on what the average security professional should be doing to help the general populace. Yeah, I, I would say any, you know, technology groups um, in your area. And I, for, I can't remember. I have an app on my phone that tells me and you guys will know the name of it. Uh, is it Meetup? Is that an app? Yeah. Where you yeah, can find like so, AWS yeah. groups and Azure groups. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, so so there's a high school, much like you, there's a high school here called Butler, uh, traditional high school, and they're starting, I think they're in year two, or maybe year three, of doing their, starting up their cybersecurity program. So with talk, um, I actually went and talked to them, and we had a whole bunch of discussions around uh, DNS and DNS hijacking, and I got a lot of blank stares. Some people understood <laughs> what I was covering, um, but their goal is to start churning out IT cybersecurity professionals by the time they're getting out of high school. Um, and so I think that's a lofty goal, you know, to accomplish it. And um, with talk, we also do some of the uh, cybersecurity Institute, cyber readiness Institute training um, as well as tech girls. But this high school is also wanting the students to start picking up and teaching the cyber readiness Institute as well. And the cyber readiness Institute, and if you're not familiar with it, is geared towards small and mid, not mid-sized companies who are wanting, you know, building you know, a resiliency plan, building an incident response plan, all of those type of things that large organizations will would do naturally and organically and already have in place. So yeah, there's also yeah. There, yeah. there's also Paul the uh, the hacker high school. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's uh, it's an online system targeting 12 to 20 year olds for education on general cybersecurity programs. So it's pretty cool. A friend of mine runs that out of Europe, uh, hackerhighschool.org. Thank you very much. I, I just wrote that down. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm making notes also. <laughs> See, this is what I'm. This is the community I'm talking about, right? Yeah. We we hear these different things, and now we can start, you know, expanding it and sharing it with others, so they can take advantage of it. It's good stuff. This is why I. This is why I'm excited for you guys. Let me come and talk to you. I've talked to Adrian a couple times, but you know, I I think the uh, and you guys can chime chime in here as well. I think the next area. Um, that I'm really kind of focused on is AI machine learning and how much our adversaries are now, you know, going to be using, you know, artificial intelligence to perform reconnaissance on our systems when they're, when they're on, um, when's a good, when's the best time to try to exfiltrate data. I don't, I don't need to sit there and pour through reports to try to figure that out. Now I've just got a bot sitting there and watching all that and spitting out optimal attack times. 
you know, ransomware as a service, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, we've got people doing the hacks and then we got people doing the exploits and it's all being sold out there once I've pooched the system. Um, so it, it's going to take all of us because our attackers are ever evolving. And depending on which attacker who targets you, um, of course, we all know their MOs are going to be different. So, Yeah, Duane, I think it's an, an interesting point. Um, and I think we saw the same kind of evolution with encryption technology, where early days, the U.S. government tried to hold that very closely. Of course, it populated out. And as defenders, we were using it. And then, of course, very quickly, it got adopted by uh, criminals, by cyber criminals, attackers, I mean, you all of us probably remember back in the day, you would see bot traffic and it would be in the clear. And you're like, well, thank you for not encrypting that. You know, but that pretty quickly changed. Like, they weren't using clear text uh, IRC anymore. They learned how to quickly adopt that encryption technology. I think AI and ML, to your point, Duan, is going to probably go down the same route. I think we'll see an uptick in adoption because I think criminals are, like, as they need it. Uh, they didn't maybe need to encrypt it before, like, because they were successful, but now we're getting caught, so now we need to do encryption. We didn't, you know, maybe we didn't need AI and ML when networks were smaller, but now they're larger. They're going to use that technology for sure. Absolutely, that that's that's what keeps me up at night sometimes when I, mm. um, I'm I'm done with the day job. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean they're earning more money than ever now, and um, they have R and D budget, and they and they do R and D, you know, which is something that uh, wasn't as common beforehand. By I think in the last seven eight years, you know, since they've taken to the extortion model, you know, there, there haven't haven't hasn't been real good tracking of how much money they actually make uh, either in the industry until, you know, now with cryptocurrency and, and uh, anybody can look and see how much money they're making. There, there was a site we actually covered, you know, I think last week or week before that actually tracks and, and uh, lays out how much money each, uh, each ransomware operator, each group is making. And it's, they have R and D budget. Well, then, and I'm really scared to your point about the specialization, right? So now I don't have to know the whole attack or kill chain. I can just take a piece of it and be very good at that and farm, exactly. out, farm out my services for that or, or be contacted for my services for that piece. Yep. So, Ransomware is a service. Absolutely. It's getting crazy. So, Dewan, uh, anything else you want to share with our audience? Um, no, I, I think I shared a couple links, um, for some of the work that I'm involved in and doing, I think I shared some links for InfraGuard, um, you know, and I'll, I, I'm not gonna say, you know, like most people, whether you should pay a ransom or not pay a ransom. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of factors that go into determining whether your answer is yes or no. Um, but just take advantage of the resources you have, reach out to folks that you are comfortable with sharing that information. I will say it does take us really doing information sharing. You know, if, if you use a system where you can redact your own personal information, but share the different attack techniques and, and methods in which pe someone attacked you, and you can share that with other people in your business. For, so if you're in the finance sector, and you can share that with other companies that are in your finance sector, um, it, it's better for all of us to try as much as possible to respond as quickly as we can to shut the attackers down. Um, don't be afraid to share that. So that would be the one thing that I would take away and you know want to give to this discussion. Duan, thank you very much for appearing on Enterprise Security Weekly. All right. Thank you guys for having me. 
Coming up next, Stephanie Aceves from Tanium. Stick around.